You're listening to Caregivers Out Loud, powered by Family Caregivers of British Columbia and hosted by Bill Israel. What makes this podcast, Caregivers Out Loud, so special and impactful is being able to share the story and journey of other family caregivers. Today, we'll hear Rick's story, who shares his caregiving experience with both of his parents. Like many caregivers, Rick didn't expect to be thrown into a caregiving role when he was. He quickly took on the many roles needed to ensure his parents were safe and well cared for. Caregiving became a full-time job, and it was during this time that he started to see his own health and wellness decline. He turned to writing to help him process his experience and feelings, and this became a positive and reliant self-care strategy for him. In sharing his caregiving story, We hope you enjoy and feel supported by Rick's point of view and maybe even consider your own favorite moments of self-care. So, Rick, tell us about what life was like before you became a caregiver. We were living a pretty normal life, fairly comfortable life overall. Mom and dad had been uh, working at the University of Alberta for their entire careers They had chosen to uh, retire from Edmonton, where we are, to Victoria, B.C. We never really thought about, you know, mom and dad getting old or any prospect of caregiving that might have come about or come to be needed. You know, it was something that ended up becoming necessary. And you had some siblings at home there with you? Not completely at home. I'm the middle child. I have two sisters, one older, one younger. The older sister and her family is in Edmonton. My younger sister is in Calgary, about three hours south. So she's she was available, but not as available. Say uh, what you'd like about when the caregiving responsibilities took on a serious tone for you and the family. I remember back when mom and dad decided to move to Victoria. Before this, I hadn't even dreamed of them becoming sick or old or frail. They were always very healthy, very strong. Mom ended up having uh, Parkinson's and leukemia. Dad had Alzheimer's disease at the same time. You know, didn't have any concerns really until the day of mom and dad's move. Mom, you know, got us uh, children together and sat us down and announced at that time that she had Parkinson's disease. Didn't know anything about it before then. So it was it was really a wake up call for me and my sisters, I believe, as well, that things could become more serious. They had made up their minds to move and there was no no stopping them. So they packed up and moved. They ended up living out there on the coast fairly comfortably and fairly well for several years, I'll say. We kept in touch via letters, via phone call. There were visits as well. So everything was fine, but that changed. We heard one day that mom ended up feeling quite weak and uh, ended up dragging herself to the local hospital. She actually almost fainted. She ended up uh, getting a diagnosis there. Her blood count was quite low, or very low, in fact. And uh, the report was leukemia. Didn't hear anything, uh, didn't hear anything about this until the nurse at the Victoria Hospital called my younger sister in Calgary, shared that news with her. And then you know, my older sister and I heard from our sister at that time. Yeah, it's interesting how that often happens because uh, we can all relate to the need for our independence getting older. 
we don't want to admit to, oh boy, we're in trouble here. So your mom probably kept quiet about it. She's always been fiercely stubborn, never one to accept help, especially from her own children. Always wants to do things herself, uh, you know, very driven. And uh, I admire her for that. But boy, it, uh, you know, it became problematic later on. Tell us a little bit about what transpired then. Mum's diagnosis, she wasn't content with that, so she wanted a second medical diagnosis. Her and dad came back to Edmonton reportedly temporarily to see a second specialist. The diagnosis was, of course, the same. But my sisters and I, we sat mom and dad down at that time and pitched the half-cocked idea that we could take care of them better if they ended up moving back to Edmonton. You know, it was a kind of a far-fetched idea, but you know, surprised it actually worked. I think because we came to them as a united front and we we expressed our worry and our concern, which was something that they couldn't really argue with. Looking back on it and listening to you talk about it, I found that was a very clever approach, you know, that you weren't saying how weak and feeble they were. You were talking about how concerned you were and how they could help you by moving back uh, to take better care of them. Yeah, that was brilliant, actually. Thank you. <laughs> so then the proximity problem went away, uh, but some other challenges then arose in the actual caregiving responsibility uh, between uh, you and your sibs. Say some words about as the responsibility began to grow, your reflections on it. Initially, when mom and dad came back, they were still fairly well-functioning. So their first home back here was a senior's apartment. We moved them in there. They had their own apartment. The building had a shared dining room where residents got together and ate their meals. There was an activity room. There was staff on hand. A doctor and an RN visited on a regular basis to check on residents, that type of thing. That was their first stop. My sisters and I, we had more work to do. The caregiving work began certainly more earnestly. Uh, personally, I not only helped move them repeatedly, as it turned out, I became mom and dad's uh, banker. I, you know, I paid their monthly bills for them. I helped manage their investments. I drove them to get from doctor's appointments. I searched for long-term care homes. Uh, you know, I did errands for them. I eventually became dad's joint guardian and alternate trustee as well when he was unable to make those decisions for himself. Sure. So in addition to the emotional range of caregiving, now you've got an activity range. <laughs> you become an advocate and a real estate agent and a, and a mover. <laughs> so that was actually another uh, a responsibility I had too, was to dig, uh, find a realtor in Victoria to help sell their <laughs> condo out there. So that was a challenge working with him from a distance. Recall for us, if you will, Rick, what kind of emotional, maybe even spiritual challenges started to arise uh, fairly quickly in this responsibility. Caregivers uh, commonly experience a roller coaster of emotions. I experienced shock. I experienced anger, I experienced frustration, I experienced fear. As the course of time wore on, I mean, there were, there were days that I felt joy, I felt happiness as well. There were days I didn't know what to feel because that's just the way it went. Sure, and quite the uh, range uh, of emotions in that. Absolutely. I mean, one day was never the same as another. Like I said, I didn't know what to feel. I didn't know what each day would bring. As both of Rick's parents' health began to steadily decline, 
And Rick found a unique way to look after himself that included writing. Rick always enjoyed writing and even took a writing program to pursue his passion. His published writing centered on caregiving and his personal caregiving journey. Family Caregivers of BC understands the importance of writing and has embarked on an intensive journal writing program for family caregivers. This new journal workshop process enables caregivers to write personally and reflectively about their stressful and demanding caregiving role. It is more than a diary or typical journal recording. Private journal reflections are written in small workshop groups and often between workshop sessions. As with Rick's writing, the journaling process is proving to be of significant help, aiding caregivers to find emotional balance, spiritual consolation, and even physical stamina for providing the care needed for loved ones and themselves. So how did Rick decide that writing about this process was going to be useful? Let me start by congratulating you at Family Caregivers of BC for launching that journaling program. I, I think it's an excellent initiative. I realized with the amount of work and the amount of responsibilities that I had assumed that I needed some kind of care myself, some kind of self-care. I chose writing. It was something that I've long done and I enjoy. So I started just writing stories about what was going on, uh, my thoughts, my feelings, some of those actually became published in a local seniors newspaper, which I'm grateful for. You know, as it turned out, the published articles not only helped me, they helped others as well to get out my frustrations and deal with the parental baggage. But also I knew that what I was talking about and what I was sharing could also help those prospective new and current caregivers out there as well. Sure. And what we've done here at Family Caregivers is begin to bring people together by Zoom, primarily across the province, to do some writing and even take the opportunity from time to time to share a bit of their writing with other family caregivers. Uh, did you have the opportunity to do that or were you pretty much doing this on your own and, and then discovered the beauty of getting it published? <laughs> <laughs> I guess as a freelance writer, I've previously experienced the value of, of sharing stories and heard positive feedback. I don't think I know that caregiver sharing stories is very a valuable process. It helps, like I say, to get that out and not bottle it up inside you. And it also helps other people that are listening because they learn from that process as well. Absolutely. And that's, of course, part of the reason we are so happy to have you uh, do this interview is uh, to help people understand the difference between giving advice to another family caregiver and simply telling your story, that there's power in your narrative. We have some good supports here with Family Caregivers of BC and some uh, specialists with Parkinson's and with Alzheimer's who we're busy trying to strengthen those connections. And I think one of the best ways to do that is with those narratives, you know, that we simply have a story to tell here. And it's not so much about being clever about it as it is being self-caring about it, that I must find a way to keep up my own energy, to keep up my own spiritual hopefulness that death is going to occur here, but I must find a way to transit the escorting of my care recipient. Did you find that, that it was useful to you as a caregiver to continue to move forward then? 
Definitely. Uh, I realized that I was experiencing some things out of the ordinary uh, when I was caregiving for mom and dad. There was stress, there was, you know, poor health, there was poor appetite, reduced sleep, insomnia, a number of things that I said were completely out of character. And, you know, just putting two and two together and realizing that it was the extra work and the extra stress of looking after mom and dad, you know, everything that was going on there that was affecting me in a negative way. Now I realized, I go, this isn't normal. I have to do something about this. I have to be a better caregiver. I need to look after myself. I can't function, you know, properly if I can't keep up the uh, work myself. I'm like a car, you know, I got to feed myself fuel <laughs> and maintenance, you know, do the regular service checks to, to keep running. Otherwise I'll be dead on the side of the road. As a family caregiver, you may have the inclination to say, no, everything's fine. I can handle this. Until you reach that point where you see that's probably not going to work. Today's conversation with Rick shows how for you to truly benefit from and for the care recipient to benefit from your support is to make supporting yourself a priority. Rick's passion for writing became a healing outlet during the care for his parents. Maybe your self-care looks a bit different, going for a walk, gardening, or painting. The main takeaway is to choose an activity that supports your mental and physical well-being. It's about personalizing it for you. To enable you to write personally and reflectively about this stressful and demanding caregiving role, find out more about Family Caregivers of BC's Intensity Journal Writing Workshop at familycaregiversbc.ca. As Rick points out, journal writing can be a simple way to support yourself as a caregiver. There are many, many different ways to look after yourself. I chose writing, you know, which was healthy. It was an easy thing for me to do. And doing something for yourself is common advice. You always hear about the put your own oxygen mask on first, but it's very true. You cannot do the job and fully benefit, you know, a loved one without looking after yourself too. Thank you for listening to Caregivers Out Loud, powered by Family Caregivers of British Columbia and hosted by Bill Israel. Produced and sound edited by Organized Sound Productions. We acknowledge the financial support of the province of British Columbia and the BC Ministry of Health Patients as Partners Initiative. If you like what you're hearing, discover more episodes and find more caregiving resources at familycaregiversbc.ca. And if you find these episodes helpful, please share them with your family and friends who may find it enlightening to hear these stories. Finally, don't forget to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast listening app so you can take us with you wherever you go. Thank you for listening and taking the time to learn and care for yourself with other caregivers out loud.